Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land. And our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors. I'm your host, Bill Cooper. It's a beautiful October day. Fall is here. A lot of great things going on in the outdoors, man. You can get out. Bear season's actually going on in Missouri. Of course, bow season started. Gigging started. Woodcock season. On and on and on. There's always something to do in the Missouri outdoors. Well, we're glad you're listening today. This is our 100th episode, and I am actually celebrating today. I have on the program with me a new friend who I've uh, become acquainted with over the last few months, and that's Daryl Curitan, and he is the host of Missouri on the Fly podcast. Daryl, it's great to have you on the program today, man. I'm super excited about being here. Hey, I tell you, you know, I've been listening to your show for a while. <laughs> well, I've been catching yours as well, man. You're doing great, and you feel a wonderful niche uh, in the state of Missouri here. You know, we're a, a rather popular fly fishing state. Uh, got some uh, great waters here in the state of Missouri. We're going to talk about that a little later in the program. But, man, I was tickled pink to see your podcast come along. You're doing a great job with it. I've had a great response and uh, just lots of good information that you're putting out. Well, Daryl, give us a little bit of your, your history. I know you're an ex-military man. I do appreciate your your service. Uh, uh, boy, it's, uh, I always appreciate the veterans and veteran uh, myself. Of course, I always tell people I fought in the Civil War, and most of them believe me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us all well, about the uh, Missouri on the Fly podcast. You know, uh, I, I guess I got started about a year ago, a little over a year ago. I started on someone's else podcast, and I thought, well, you know, there's, there's something missing for me that I know that Missouri – is such a fly fishing destination and you know, it's not really pushed. There's no, you know, Missouri conservation does a great job at, at, at doing it. But, you know, the bottom line is, is we have a just as quality or better fishery for trout in Missouri than uh, a lot of states do out West, the big destination states. And, you know, people don't believe me. <laughs> well they just need to come try it out they've become a believer because you know we've we've got some of the most well-known trout fisheries in the country and uh, of course one of those is lake Tani como and the conservation department does a tremendous job with that fishery but uh, of course that's a lake uh, some people argue back and forth where it's a lake or a river it could at different times it could be one or the other but of course uh, among my favorites are the current river and the Merrimack River, which both are chock full of of uh, trout and great destinations, man. And if, if you get with the right uh, people, 
you know, guides as such, you can have some fabulous trip and, and learn from those guys as, as as well. In fact, one of one of the better fly fishermen in the state of Missouri has a guide service, and he's he's one of your sponsors. Uh, tell us about that guy a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's uh, Damon Spurgeon of Cardiac Mountain Outfitters. Uh, Damon's a good friend of mine, and uh, he and I fish together. Um, if I were going to recommend a guide in the state of Missouri, there's no doubt he would be the one I would recommend. Um, if you want to get on the fish and you want to catch fish, he's the guy to get you out there. He really is. But I tell um, you, if you're going to go with Damon Spurgeon, you better be a serious fisherman. Though this, this guy is death on detail. I've known Damon since he was a little bitty guy and knew his parents. And Damon, of course, he's a veteran as, as well. And uh, I certainly like promoting uh, the veterans, particularly when they're in business. But Damon is by far the best fly fisherman I've ever run across in the state of Missouri. And, of course, he likes to use those uranymphing techniques and uh, just as fabulous at it. You may think you're a good fly fisherman. You go this guy, uh, man, he can usually put you on the fish. There's a dead day once in a while, but his dead days usually amount to 30 or 40 fish floating down the uh, Merrimack River. And I have seen him with his clients put as many as, you know, close to 200 fish in a boat in a day's time. And that's just incredible. But I'm kind of wandering off the subject here a little bit, uh, Daryl. And it's hard not to when we get to talking fly <laughs> fishing and trout fishing, you know. But uh, tell tell us more oh, about yeah. the podcast, man, because I want to shoot some people your your direction. In fact, we kind of help each other out, you know. You're, uh, I was on your podcast Sunday or few days ago and boy was it ever fun it's uh, it's always just too much fun when you're talking to somebody that's got the same interest you know but hey tell oh, us yeah, more about your sure. podcast man uh well you know like i said i was on somebody else's and i i found a niche that that kind of suited me just about missouri and i i did a couple episodes and uh, then all of a sudden I went from, you know, 40 or 50 people listening to my podcast to over a thousand and then over 2000 in a week. And it just kind of, it blew up and <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I ought to start taking this seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the way things happen sometimes. Well, like you said, you found a niche, you found a gap there in the uh, communications business, uh, I suppose, and uh, took advantage of it, man. And I commend you for doing that because sometimes you know when you start something new, it, it's kind of scary business. But you know yourself that there's thousands and thousands and thousands of fly fishermen out there, and you, you came along at a good time. You know, I can remember, and you can remember too. I'm sure the movie, uh, the river runs through it. That's been probably longer than mm-hmm. I like to remember, but. Fly fishing just skyrocketed <laughs> in this country. I mean, the year after that came out, I mean, fly rod sales went up like 800%. And there's been a huge new uh, crowd kind of come into fly fishing. That's that's women and even children. We've seen that in some other areas of the outdoors as, as well. But uh, just so much interest. And you know yourself, you know, if you're on Facebook and TikTok and all these social media platforms, People are just starving for information. So you're providing a superb service, man, by starting a, a fly fishing 
podcast. Uh, I, I know there's probably others out there, but I don't I don't know of any of other fly fishing podcasts in the state of Missouri. So you you hit a good niche there, and you sure struck a spark in a lot of souls of us people from the Ozarks that uh, actually do spend quite a bit of time uh, uh, fly fishing. So, uh, Daryl, what platforms can can your show be heard on? Um, right now, it's played on uh, Facebook, of course. Um, I'm working on a YouTube channel, and pretty much every podcast platform that's out there, except for Apple, I'm on right now. Wow. Um, the, what's amazing about starting your own podcast, and, and you know this, Bill, is um, I was fishing one day on the current, and I get out of my truck, and I'm I got the, the tailgate down, and I'm messing around, getting rods ready and doing my thing. And some guy just walks up behind me. I didn't know him from anybody. He's like, he said, I recognize you. What's your name? And, you know, it was kind of awkward at first. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I introduced myself, and, and he's like, oh, yeah, now I know who you are. And he starts going into what he learned from the podcast. And then he started asking me questions about the river that we were on, and I pulled a couple flies out that I, I knew he would be successful with, or I had a good feeling. And I said, hey, you know, take these, give them a whirl, and, you know, have a great day. You know, I and those two flies weren't a big deal to me, but, you know, for that gentleman, it was it was a pretty big deal. He, uh, you know, I, I, I may as well give him a $100 bill, <laughs> as, as excited as he was. That That's awesome. And, you know, that's the kind of feedback you – hope to get you know and the thing is you're expanding your influence uh beyond the podcast when people begin to recognize you like that and you can help educate other people man that's absolutely fabulous and, and of course you you do uh, your podcast is audio and video both uh what advantage do you mm-hmm. do you see to that other fa- face recognition i i suppose i and I really didn't think of it that way when I first started doing it. And then, uh, like I like to show products sometimes, things that I've used that, uh, I've had a lot of success with. And sometimes audio and visual stimulation with, uh, while you're talking about something really really hits with people. I, I feel like. Oh, I'm, and, um, I'm sure it does. You kind of remind me of, you're probably uh, familiar with Mark Van Patten. He's close to my age, one of the most recognized fly fishermen in the state of Missouri. Uh, somebody needs to write a book about that gentleman. You know, he actually hitchhiked from <laughs> Los Angeles or somewhere in that part of the world when he was 12 years old to uh, just south of Lebanon, Missouri, to live with his grandparents because uh, he was in a gang. There was a contract on his life when he was 12 years old. But his grandparents taught him to fly fish. Wow. Yeah, and he was one of the original people to start their stream teams program in Missouri, and I think we've got probably close to 7,000 teams now. And the uh, Conservation Federation of Missouri actually hired Mark to run that program, and then the Conservation Department hired him away from uh, – uh, CFM, and uh, but Mark he didn't have a fisheries biologist degree or anything, but MDC put him to the task of getting a degree, and I think he completed it in like two years, and he was actually over a third of the state for some time. But Mark never quits. You know, he's my age, and he's he lives down on Current River, and he's in the summertime is a park ranger f- for the uh, 
uh, Ozark National Scene at Riverways. And Mark actually, I know part of his gig is he's been, uh, he'll go to Welch Spring and uh, he hangs out there and actually gives interpretive programs to people who are floating down the river. It's just one of the coolest things ever. But Mark actually had a TV program uh called the tying bench on the pbs tv channel for over 20 years i know so superb fly tire uh, i could about write a book about this guy myself but years ago he used to tie like fifth now listen to this figure and let it soak in he used to tie like 1500 dozen flies a year for bass pro and i think he only did that co- wow yeah, I did that a couple of years. You can imagine the, the burnout <laughs> that, that comes with that. But an incredible guy, and he just loves teaching people about fly fishing, and he's someone I've always looked up to uh, You know, throughout my lifetime. We've been uh, uh, dear friends for, for decades. But here you, you're coming along now and filling in uh, another niche, and I – I kind of get a connection between you two because Mark did the TV stuff, you know, and I know how well people responded to that. So your podcast is audio and video both. I can see how it would have great appeal. But always here at Living the Dream Outdoors podcast, we just do the audio portion. We've had discussions about uh, doing audio and video both, but I keep telling the boss, man, I'd have to shave and comb my hair if I did that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh that well, was, what great fun you know we we both live kind of out in the sticks and the way the way it rolls is you know we do internet access is terrible for the for the country for us oh it so is sometimes it's uh it's a bit of a struggle Oh, it always has been uh, for me, and I used to produce a lot of videos, and I've kind of slacked off on that because it seemed like the more money I pay, the worse my Internet service gets. But we have hope, you know, that something better is going to come along, man, and uh, hope it does. I'll I'll speed up production a little bit, and I might even go go to that audio-video podcast. If I I do, you're going to have to help me out and uh, coach me a little bit. I don't want to lose my job. Oh, I can do. <laughs> I can definitely uh, catch you up because uh, it took me a while, a lot of uh, trial and error, buying different boards and different microphones and a whole a whole lot of different stuff. So I finally got something that I was comfortable with and could operate without a master's degree. Yeah, exactly. Of course, you're like 30 years younger than me, so I'm sure you're up on technology much better than me. And I find that to be a great advantage in this field. You know, if you know some young people, you're kind of uh, – you're not ahead of their game, but you may be ahead of the game with guys that are 70 years old, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Daryl, man, I tell you, time flies. We're having fun. We're new friends, you know, just in the last few months. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the next segment. But I need to take just a short break uh, here to hear from some of our many fine sponsors that we have for Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. Hang on, folks. We'll be right back. 
Hey everyone, Brandon Licklider here with the Marys County Bank. Um, in the last show, we talked a little bit about the pre-qualification process and what documents would be needed um, to kind of start that process. Um, today, I'm going to move into the next stage, which I would consider the review stage of the application. Um, and of course, on the banking side, we're going to go through some generic things, equity position and repayment ability, prior performance that you've had. Um, but the main thing that's going to happen in this stage is we're going to have kind of an interview process with you where we try to figure out how this purchase works into your long-range plan. Um, there's a lot of different ways to, uh, to purchase these properties. There's different products, and there's different ways of getting there. Um, some people have, maybe they have a lot of equity in one property that they need to transition to this new one. Uh, we have some temporary financing or some things in place to help make that feasible. Um, so really, we're going to sit down and kind of see where you're at now and where you want to be, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now and where this property fits into your future plan. Um, the end result of that process is we can look at potential products or some potential financing scenarios um, to kind of give you an idea of, of what the financing would look like and how feasible it is for your own plan moving forward. Um, and then, of course, at the end of that process, uh, if everything goes well, we end with a prequalification letter that allows you to go out and start generating offers for those properties and, and be ready to move on them as they hit the market and they're available. Um, in closing, I just want to mention, of course, Brandon Licklider with the Marys County Bank. Uh, we are an equal housing lender and member FDIC. Um, and if you'd like to run over a possible scenario with me or, or visit with me about a potential property, uh, I can be reached at 573-265-4600. Welcome back to segment two of Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. Well, we talked about in the first segment about many, many great good things that are going on in the outdoors right now. Well, if you're not accustomed to getting out into the Missouri outdoors, you need to start because there's tons of things to do. And one reason I've spent most of my life in the Missouri Ozarks, you can do something in the outdoors every month of the year here in the Missouri and Arkansas uh, Ozarks. Man, if you're hunt, fish, hike, backpack, canoe, kayak, Hey, even if you're a cave person, we've got over 6,500 wild caves in the state of Missouri. But never run out of anything to do. Yep, it can get hot. It can get extremely cold. But I've floated down Current River when it was zero degrees and over a foot of snow on the ground. So if you're willing and able and got the equipment and know what you're doing, you can stay busy all the time. But I've had a great great deal of fun and joy this morning having Daryl Curitan on the show with me. He's the host of Missouri on the Fly. And, uh, Daryl, we uh, covered a good bit of what your show is about uh, this morning, but we didn't get into a lot of detail about what you actually talk about on the show. What do you talk about? I mean, don't you run out of things to talk about when it comes to fly fishing? <laughs> you know, for me, with, for me with fly fishing, I'll never run out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> um, I... I, I try to look for the most uh, current and uh, current and accurate information that I can get out there to disseminate because I don't, you know, I don't want to tell somebody something that's not going to work, and I don't want to tell somebody something that's not true. Because there's, you know, there's so many people out there that that'll support products or support, I mean, just about anything without even doing the proper research on it. And I like to, to get down in the, you know, everything's in the details for me. I'm, I'm going to make sure that, that folks have the best information about 
what they're fishing with, what they're fishing for, where they're fishing at, as I can as I can get. Um, you know, there's there's so many things out there that uh, folks can use, such as books, um, you know, websites and apps and different things. But in the in the days of now of the internet and everything, is everybody seems to think everything's at your fingertips. But I know there's a lot of books that were written um, in years past um, from folks that have you know, hundreds of years and hundreds of miles of experience on different sections of rivers in Missouri. And I utilize those books. I still do. Um, you and I both know that rivers and streams change by the month. I mean, by the day in, in some instances, depending on the weather. So you can take all that information from all your different sources and put it together and, and come up with a good plan before you go and, you know, it'll accelerate your your time. You know, you're going to catch better fish. You're going to have more fun, and you're going to be educating yourself and whoever you have with you in the process. Exactly, man, and that that's a good way to go. And it, it's I think just wonderful that you compile all this information and kind of you know condense it and get down to the nitty gritty of the important information and put it on a podcast. Uh, Man, you must save people an incredible amount of time doing all this research on their own. Uh, you know, I've been in this business for over 50 years and can remember the days, man, when the books or occasional pamphlet was about all you had to go by. And, boy, it just took forever to round up information about everything. Of course, the Internet today, it's just unbelievable how quickly we can get uh, to uh, to information. But it's still pretty handy, you know, if you're driving down the road or uh, doing whatever at home, and you can listen to a podcast that's got all this detail compiled for you already. So people should be, uh, these fly fishermen should be very grateful for what you're doing. And uh, I know it's of a great interest to me. And uh, I'm one of those guys, you know, I'm old, old, been around for a long time, but uh, it's flabbergasting to me to uh, just it seemed like constantly be finding out new information from sources like your your podcast because man they don't call it the information age for nothing and people really like instant gratification anymore they like to do things rapidly learn things quickly and it's really sweet when you've got things like your yeah Missouri on the fly podcast that you can go to so quickly and like you say get up-to-date information great job daryl and, and you know that, that you talk about instant gratification you know they it is the the day and time that we are in now everything in, is instant gratification yeah. um i've i've taken i've taken people fly fishing and um like, well, we didn't catch fish. I, I'm not real happy with this. You know, everything doesn't happen overnight. You know, the pyramids weren't built in a day. You know, we, you have to build a good base of understanding of what you're doing and how you're doing it. Before you get to the point to where it's, you know, for me, it's the ultimate relaxation. But before you get to that point, you're going to have to understand how you get there. And uh, hopefully that's, uh, that's something that, people understand exactly and and uh good points that you make but another thing about uh fly fishing and i know you agree 
is that uh, in my experience, trout in particular live in beautiful places. And if you take a fly rod in hand and you've got your homework done, you head to a destination to go fly fishing in the Missouri Ozarks, you're going to be in some beautiful territory, see some beautiful scenery. And that in and of itself is just a great relaxer. And, you know, fly fishing, we talk about all the technology and all the things uh, that surround fly fishing. It kind of intimidates a lot of people at first. And there's really no reason for that because things can be, particularly if you listen to the experts and good information like you're putting out people can simplify the whole process because it's not our intention when we're trying to educate about people about fly fishing hey to cause them anxiety and tension and make their blood pressure pro go up you know we promote fly fishing being outdoors has been a great source of of uh health improvement and if we get out in these beautiful places with a fly rod in hand you know you Another ideal that we try to promote is getting away from the world, getting away from your daily problems and everything. And, and uh, boy, relax. And I'm sure you've been out on the streams and lakes uh, enough that uh, it's just kind of natural for us. You know, yeah, I, I, yep. I head out fly fishing. I got uh, worried about the next podcast a little bit or the deadline on the next article I've got to write and that sort of thing. And People tease me all the time, well, that's a terrible problem to have. Well, it's still a problem. It still, you know, gets my blood pressure up a little time uh, at times. So it's nice to get away and get on to that, that stream, get away from everybody. And uh, it's sweet if you catch some fish, yeah. But a lot of times that's not the uh, most important thing. So I'm sure you're as familiar with all this philosophy as, as me and and. and uh, thousands of other fly fishermen across the state and across the country, you know. But that, I think, is part of the uh, major attraction to fly fishing. And, again, I go back to the movie The River Runs Through It. All that all that beauty and emotion. And, and some people get into calling uh, fly fishing an art form, you know. And there's lots of talk about the spirituality connected with fly fishing. In fact, you'd, you'd be a bit interested in this. There's a... Been a couple universities, uh, one on the East Coast, one on the uh, West Coast, that's actually taught courses in the spirituality of fly fishing over the years. One was at Penn State, and one was in, uh, I think, uh, Washington State. The one in Penn State has kind of died out, but I've talked to the professor there, and I've actually had dreams of working on a, a PhD degree in uh basically the religion of fly fishing because uh, both of the <laughs> both of those schools taught those courses in their religion departments now is that not interesting <laughs> you know i i have something interesting about this this is something i always say about fly fishing is you know there's a section of river in the ozark that i can go step in and within a day I can see wild horses, white-tailed deer, bald eagles, bears. I mean, pretty much any wildlife that Missouri has to offer. And when some world-class scenery within, you know, within eight hours. And catch fish within, you know, three hours of my house. That is incredible. And then we, you were, you were talking about, um, religion, uh, teaching religion around fly fishing. For me, 
it is spiritual for me to go out there and relax and to catch fish. Uh, if I can sit down and tie a fly that I tied myself and take it out on the water and cast it out, if I catch a fish, yes, it, it, it it's the icing on the cake, but it's the entire experience that makes it spiritual. And, and, and I've been told that it, I sound a little bit crazy by saying that, but <laughs> it is because it's relaxing. I mean, I'm doing something that I love. And it makes the world go around for me. And I know that there's thousands of people around the world that, that gets what I'm, what I'm talking about. And uh, I love being able to use, being on a podcast to be able to use descriptive words to, to help people understand how I'm feeling and what I'm seeing in the process. Exactly. It, it, a good job of it. And I actually, I got so excited about all, all this uh, uh Maybe getting to work on some coursework towards a PhD. I actually bought about twenty-four books uh, over last winter on fly fishing and spirituality issues, and then along came the podcast. So my my studies kind of got put on a back burner. So if you want to read any really good uh, uh, books along that line, I've I've got a pretty good library right now. <laughs> but uh, it, it's interesting. To me, of course, several years ago, I was in, inducted into the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. And I make this very clear, not as a fisherman. My wife can outfish fish me, but I made it in as a, a writer. And studying their history a little bit, uh, it was fascinating to me to discover that the first person ever inducted in the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame was a Catholic nun from the 1500s, she actually taught fly fishing to the nuns in the Abbey of England, and she wrote the first known kind of pamphlet thing about fly fishing, uh, and it was, uh, I don't know, something to do with uh, fly fishing with an angle. They called the hook an angle back in those those days. And, of course, there's some reference clear back into the times of Mesopotamia of talking about uh, hooks adorned with feathers, you know. So fly fishing has been around for a long time. But probably Madam Dame uh, Julia Berners was the Catholic nun that first taught fly fishing. And that's probably where the real spiritual connection first came in, be my guess. Uh, But isn't that just fascinating history? And here, you know, so many hundreds of years later, Look at the tens of thousands of people around the world who are enjoying fly fishing. And, of course, you and I both have probably got that uh, list of places that we would like to go yet to fly fish. You know, I do get to fish in the, in the Yucatan. I fish, fly fish to four north as Alaska. But I still want to go to those places like Patagonia, you know, <laughs> New Zealand. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll make it one of these days. But, uh, uh, Daryl, man, it's a uh, you know, it's just fabulous, fabulous to get to talk to somebody about fly fishing like this in, in uh, such a detail. But, uh, man, I'll encourage you. You know, uh, we're in a process, I think, of encouraging each other now. You've just joined the Missouri Outdoor Communicators, and uh, we're so excited to have you come aboard because we're, we're an old group. You're, you're going to bring our average age down by a decade, I think. <laughs> But uh, it's always fun to have new people come into the fold, and I'm sure we're going to learn a lot from each other. We already have, but uh, I think we've just scratched the surface. We've already got a trip planned 
together and going to try to rope Damon Spurgeon in and going with us. And I think there'll be some great things. At least you and I will learn some things <laughs> during that trip. Hey, man, it's time to take another break here. But folks, don't run off. We don't care if you're driving down the highway, carrying the groceries in or, or cooking dinner. Hang on, and we'll be back here in just a couple minutes. Well, it's time for my favorite part a Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. It's a giveaway. We do this every two weeks when the show airs. And we've got a great list of sponsors, and I'd like to encourage you listeners to be sure and utilize the services of these sponsors as often as you can. Number one on the list is Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. That's Daryl Hyman and crew, and they do a great job of both selling and buying property so if you're in the market for property either selling or buying be sure and check these guys out the fly rod journals smokerbuilder.com cowtown usa westover farms scenic rivers taxidermy in salem missouri stainwater bow fishing scenic rivers guide service and tours it's out of eminence who's all valley resort pico lures Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, Marys County Bank, Richest Famous Burgers, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinker and Lure Company, and Turnbow Outdoors from Cherryville, Missouri. A big thank you to all these sponsors that make this giveaway possible. You know, there's great things going on in the outdoors, man. We've we've had our first Missouri bear season. That's totally exciting. The archery uh, elk season has taken place, and a little bit later in the year, there'll be a, a rifle season as well. Boy, and deer hunting has been fabulous. I've already got uh, two antlerless deer in the freezer, so I've got meat for the winter, and I feel like I've won the giveaway already. But we've got a bunch of names in the hat today, and I'm here by myself, so I get to do the draw. I thank all my buddies that usually help me. I bet they're all hunting or fishing. They kind of skipped out on me. But I do have a pal here helping me out. I'm in my office studio here, and i got my wife's Yorkie. Zeus is sitting on my lap, and he's kind of watching the lights flickering and everything going on. I just hope he don't chew my cords in do. But, uh, hey, he's a great little dog. He actually treated his first squirrel the other day right out the front door, and uh, he had a great time with that squirrel. So I might be able to make a squirrel dog out of him. I, I don't know if my wife will approve, though, but we'll have to check that one out. All right. Ready for the winter. <laughs> I've drawn Cindy and David Spurgeon. Now, that's two names. I got, I got bad news for you, David. You know, I, I think to handle this fair and square, I have to go in alphabetical order. So Cindy wins the $100 gift certificate to uh, Academy Sports. Uh, Cindy, I'll be getting a hold of you, or Damon can let you know. I'll get your mailing address, and I'll send this card off to you. And this $100 uh, gift card is given today by Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. And that's kind of in honor, honor of our 100th podcast. This is it, number 100. That's quite a, quite a goal for us, and we look to do hundreds more. But it's time to, to move on. But before I do that, I do want to remind you how to register to get in on these drawings. All you have to do, it's very simple, go to Living the Dream Outdoors Podcast. That's our Facebook page. Then just like the page and then type your name in the comments section. When you do that, you're automatically registered. So uh, 
Next week, uh, we'll be looking at giving away another $100 gift card. Boy, these have been coming in pretty steady, so love giving them away, so be sure and register. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. We've been having great fun on the show this morning. I've been visiting with Daryl Curtin, who's the host of Missouri on the Fly podcast. And uh, he hadn't been at it too long, but he's sure stacked up the numbers so far. So he's putting out great information. He's certainly passionate about fly fishing. So, folks, I'd encourage you to uh, get on your favorite social media platforms and look up uh, Missouri on the Fly podcast. It's not only going to be fun and enjoyable, you'll learn the latest and greatest when it comes to fly fishing. Well, Daryl, man, we've kind of beat the fly fishing world up this morning. Of course, we could talk about it forever, and I wish we was out on a stream today. You know, it's nice and cool out there, and uh, this work stuff, you know, gets in the way of our having fun once in a while, but uh, that's just the way it goes. But uh, I'll take it. Yeah, but there's tons of other things going on in the Missouri outdoors. Uh, you know, the Missouri Bears season started a little bit ago it only lasts uh, i don't know a couple weeks actually goes from monday october 18th to wednesday the 27th but the first day of the season i heard there were were two bears taken in uh, zone one and that's kind of the southwest corner of the missouri ozarks it's some rough rugged country and uh joins up to uh Arkansas, and of course, that's where most of our bears came from. I think back as early as the 1950s, they had a bear stocking program in Arkansas, and of course, they began to spread out, and we've got several hundred bears in the state of Missouri. But isn't all this new and exciting? Well, you know, Bill, I I got super excited when they were talking about a bear season in Missouri. Um, you know, this first season, they, they only drew 400 tags, and They'll have a quota of 40 bears in the state. Um, you know, likelihood, you know, there might be, in the amount of time of season, my guess is probably going to be 10 to 15 bears killed. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess it could, could grow exponentially yeah. over the next couple of days. But, uh, you know, being that bear hunting is so new and it's uh, – the, the lottery, you know, a lot of folks, you know, places that haven't, not having places to hunt, you know, not really fully understanding how to hunt a bear. It's just, you know, bears sense of smell is uh, just so, so super strong. And uh, if they're not using proper cover scents and stuff, you know, their, their opportunities to, to get a bear is going to be pretty slim. Yeah. And, uh, you're exactly right, and even at the very best, it's going to be very slim because, you know, the restrictions they placed on it were, were pretty severe. There's no baiting, no use of dogs, and that sort of thing. So you've mm-hmm. not only got to do everything uh, right, I th- think there's got to be a good bit of luck involved as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, guaranteed a little bit of luck. Um, you know, one of those bears that uh, was taken yesterday, actually the first one, so it was a, a 250-pound sow. She was taken on private property, and the gentleman had, had been having bears travel through his property for the, the last couple of years. And uh, just listening to his story, it was, you know, he was just at all, you know, like a little kid. A little <laughs> kid uh, 
firing a weapon at their first deer. You know, it was, he said, I didn't even take my time. He said, I seen it, it, it started coming. I took the first shot I could get, you know. Um, he's, he said, we're going to have bear meat tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I he thought, was super excited about that. Oh, you know? he was. I thought it was great that the conservation department actually put a short video out. They interviewed him. You know, it it, it was just fun to listen to this guy. He was very exuberant and excited about the fact he had taken a bear. And I, you know, it was on his personal place uh, property, and that that makes it even more exciting and meaningful. But uh, yeah, he was uh, uh, kind of in just all of the fact that he took uh, a bear the very first day he ever, ever went to bear hunting. Now he's got the distinction of killing the first bear in modern bear seasons in the state of Missouri. But, yeah, he went out and, I guess, sat on one of his deer stands, and he said, you know, he figured out oh, the chances even seeing a bear are very unlikely, and then the odds of actually killing one would be astronomical. But guess what? It happened. And, uh, Congrats to oh, this yeah. guy. Yeah. Wouldn't that be exciting? I mean, I've seen bears in the wild of Missouri, and it, it's just an enormous rush just to see one. In fact, it, it was a tremendous rush to my wife. It, it scared her beyond belief. We were down on the 11 Point River. It's been several years ago and, and camped out. And uh, exactly during uh, deer, deer season, I, I guess, we were along the Irish wilderness and wild beautiful country but we'd been catching nice trout right out in front of camp and it was getting down towards dark right there in camp i'm cooking trout you know and i'm kind of hard hearing but my wife kept saying do you you hear all that noise across the river and i said no i don't hear anything you know and it got dark and (laughs) she kept hearing this noise so she goes down to the the boat and I had a spotlight on the boat and she's sweeping the hillside over there. Well, I saw that light. I thought it went out, but I heard her running hard as she could go. She dropped her spotlight. And she run up over the bank. She said, there's a big friggin' bear over there and, and you're cooking fish right here. <laughs> I, I, and I kind of blew her off, you know, she dog, you come down here. Look. So I went down over the river bank with her to the boat and got the spotlight and sweeping across that hillside. Boy, was she ever right. Uh, I've killed bears in Canada, and I go to New Brunswick, never killed one over 200 pounds, you know. Well, I can tell you, this bear looked like it would have made three of mine. (laughs) It was a big boy. And so it just scared her so bad. We were there five days, I think. I don't think she slept a wink for the next five days. And uh, after we'd cleaned up her fish dinner and everything, you know, climbed in the tent about 2 o'clock, in the morning she woke me up she, Billy that bear's coming across the river you know so I listened <laughs> there was a lot of water splashing so I got my flashlight shining out the tent door it was three otters playing in the river well every night she heard something <laughs> you know one night it sounded like it was real dry that year a lot of sycamore leaves around we could hear something Ooh. walking in the leaves and boy it sounded heavy sounded big you know so I'm peeking out the tent door and i got my little flashlight and a little pistol you know like that's going to help and i kept hearing this sound but i just couldn't nail it down and i finally crawled out of the tent and daryl you're going to laugh yourself silly but it was a white-footed deer mouse he had a breadcrumb or something running through those leaves he sounded like an (laughs) elephant so (laughs) I, i reached in the tent and got my camera and took a 
close-up photograph showed my wife was, here's your bear. He weighs about an ounce, you know, but she didn't think it was funny. But, oh, yeah, what a rough, but, rough week. But what an experience in Missouri. You know, something that uh, now that we are having a bear season in Missouri and we know that bears are prevalent in Missouri, and I, I've kind of traveled out west and up north and even in Tennessee is, you know, while you're in the outdoors, you need to be bear aware as well. Good point. And uh, the bear, bear, bear sprays and or having a firearm with you that could help prevent you from being injured from a bear that, you know, it, it could be possibly injured from a vehicle or even from a hunt or, or anything that, you know, you back anything in, into a corner on accident or if it has babies, it, it could uh, – could attack you so it is uh definitely good to have something with you to protect yourself absolutely right and of course i love the old joke you know and i learned this from going in bear country out out west and up in canada this is the best thing you can do for yourself is hunt with somebody that's slower than you <laughs> of course uh, we can laugh a joke but it, when it comes to fair you know we hear the bear stories from out west every, every year somebody getting mauled or killed by a bear and uh, usually that's grizzly bears but there have been attacks you know uh, by black bears as as well and uh, it's just wise to be smart you know we prepare ourselves for all kinds of things that could happen in the outdoors you know we carry first aid kits you know go out in the boats and make sure i got life jackets for everybody everything we do we have to prepare so when it comes to thinking about bears yeah it's it's fairly new here in missouri and uh, we get lots of reports from around the states of, you know, bears showing up in city limits and edges of little rural towns and all this sort of thing. But when you're in the outdoors and serious outdoorsmen spend a lot of time out there, yeah, we need to re-educate ourselves a little bit here in the state of Missouri and, like you say, become bear aware. Now, the chances of actually being mauled by a bear are pretty, <clears throat> pretty slim. But, hey, it's pretty slim the chance to step on a you know, close enough to a rattlesnake or a copperhead to get bit too, but they, that does happen occasionally. And I don't know that we've had any serious bear run-ins in the state of Missouri yet. I, I can't recall any, but I know there, that I know of. Yeah, there's been some scares, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And but being aware and being prepared is pretty simple to do, and just something people ought to. Ought to take into account when they're getting ready for that trip. I know my wife and I are getting ready to head down into Paddy Creek Wilderness here in the next few days, going to camp out and all that sort of thing. And I know there are bears there and possibly mountain lions as well. But one of the things, I don't think we'll ever have any problem with uh, bears or mountain lions because we're just so loud. You know, I'm, I'm about two-thirds deaf, so she has to talk kind of loud just to <laughs> get me to hear her and, <laughs> and, and communicate. But uh, Anyway, that's something that we're we're always uh, need to be conscious about. Well, Daryl, here in the last few minutes of, of the show, man, I'd I'd like for us just to hit uh, briefly on some other things that are going in, on in the outdoors. And uh, you're probably like me; I just have a terrible time deciding some days what I want to do. Uh, I'm taking a day off tomorrow from all the writing and podcasts and everything, and I'm, I'm I've been quandering all morning. Uh, do I want to go trout fishing? Do I want to go woodcock hunting? Do I want to go uh, bow hunting uh, 
for deer. I could go shotgun hunting for turkeys. Or I could just grab my Ruger 17 and go out back and, and shoot some squirrels for the freezer. Terrible dilemma to be in, isn't it? What would you prefer to do if you oh. were going to go out tomorrow? Well, I've uh, I've actually taken up uh, retail archery hunting this year. Um, you, know, you know that I had brain surgery earlier this year. and Exactly. kind of limited me on using my uh my compound bow so i did, i reduced the weight down to i'm only shooting a 45 pound recurve now uh-huh. so and it is it has brought a lot of challenges to my archery hunting so i i'm surprisingly i haven't been out yet because i find it hard when i'm walking out my door not to pick up a fishing pole instead <laughs> of uh taking my my bow so i i guess i'm this this next two weeks in in the year for me is my favorite time to deer hunt, just because you know the uh, the rut will just start here very soon, and the uh, you know the deer for me the way they react this time of year is I like it a lot better than you know closer towards rifle season and when there's eight thousand people in the woods I, I prefer for that. So there just to be me there. It, exactly. Well, man, that's it's been decades and decades since I've used a recurve, but I kill s- several deer with them, and that is just uh, kind of the ultimate challenge in, in deer hunting. A lot of satisfaction to be taken there just to attempt such a thing I- anymore. And I, I know several people that still use uh, recurves. Uh, Darren Haverstick, who is actually in charge of the uh, Deer Foods Program for the Conservation Federation of Missouri, Share the Harvest, uh, he still hunts with, it's kind of a longbow, beautiful piece of equipment. He's had several over, of them over the years, and uh, he still takes deer with those. So, uh, hey, hats off to people can do that. I'm old enough, you know, I, I'm forced to use a crossbow. I wasn't a big fan of them at first until I, I studied up. And uh, everybody thinks, or a lot of people think, that uh, shooting crossbows is going to decimate the deer population. But there's long-term studies over 30 years from uh, uh, several states around us that uh, have had crossbow seasons for decades. And the crossbow uh, shooters kill the same percentage of deer as compound users, and that's only about 15%. So that's still a pretty small percentage. Sweet thing about crossbows, you know, the average bow hunter drops out at about age 49 because he's already developed a wrist, shoulder, elbow problems. And the crossbows, I'm 72 and still getting to hunt, you know. if uh, Well, it'd be a real wrestling match for me to try to draw a compound anymore. I'd probably be wallowing around in my ground blind trying to get, <laughs> get it drawn back, you know. And then, and then my arms might come off. <laughs> but great fun and so many things to do out there. Well, Daryl, once again, right here in the wrap-up, uh, final minute or so of the show, tell people again how they can uh, listen to your Missouri On The Fly podcast. Well, you can come visit me on Facebook at uh, Missouri on the Fly podcast, um, or pretty much any podcast site out there except for Apple. Um, I haven't quite figured that one out yet, but I'm in the process. I'll get it lined out. And uh, you can look us up on YouTube. Uh, that's still a work in progress, but it's going. So just get, get on out. Send me a message on Facebook. I can point you in the right direction. 
And again, my name is Daryl Curitan, and I'm the host of the Very On The Fly podcast. Well, Darryl, thank you all for listening. You bet, man. It's so great to have you on, on the program. And two, you're my newest addition to the Fly Rod Journals. You can look that up. Daryl will be posting some info there as well in the upcoming week. So that's another source where I, I have about a dozen people that post the Fly Rod Journal. Some of them not as regularly as I'd like for them to, but some of the best fly fishermen. I've got people all the way from Alaska to uh the Yucatan that contribute to the Fly Rod Journal. So check it out as well. Well, folks, we appreciate you listening today. And from Daryl Curtin and myself, Bill Cooper, we thank you for listening to the show. And we encourage you. You know, this is Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast, and I do live the dream. And we encourage you to get outdoors as well and live your outdoor dreams. Hey guys, this is Frank Cox with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Hey, have you ever considered a career in real estate? If you have, but you don't have your license, this is your opportunity. So each month, the Living the Dream Outdoor Properties team is giving away a free seat to the online training that you need to take in order to get your real estate license. We would love to have you join our team. All you got to do is go to our website, livingthedreamland.com, and then click on the Our Team button, and then click on the one that comes up under that that says Join Our Team. On that page, there's an application form. Just simply fill that out and get in contact with a member of our team, and I'll be giving you a call. We appreciate you, and uh, good luck. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by... Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, Mary's County Bank, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast, as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. 
You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.